Our scripture reading today is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 10. Let's stand together in honor of God's word. And I will read these verses in their entirety, and you may uh, follow along in your copy of God's word. 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 10 says, In pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus constantly nourished in, on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following, but have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. For it is for this we labor and strive, because we have fixed our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. By the way, young people, those mountains that you saw from the tower, those were my mountains. <laughs> that was the Blue Ridge. I rode about 100 miles of it on my motorcycle yesterday. So that's one of the reasons I live in Lynchburg. Because it's when in the 90s down below by my house, it's in the 70s and 80s up on the top of the Blue Ridge. So those aren't just those mountains. That's the Blue Ridge. I just wanted to clarify that a little bit. Although it is interesting to learn that our home is on such a needy mission field there, that Lynchburg is where you went to minister, but every place is a mission field. Even Fuquay Varina has some people who don't know the Lord yet and some unmet needs. So you don't have to go to the Dominican Republic or off to Turkey or Africa uh, to reach people for Christ. And you're doing it right here and uh, in other places as well. Uh, let's bow in prayer. Father, we pray in, in these moments as we open your word that you would lay out a plan for our spiritual fitness that would make a difference in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. A number of years ago, I was talking to my medical doctor, and I said, Doc, I'd like to get off these blood pressure pills I've been taking, you know. I'm a little concerned about what it's doing to my liver and all that. And so he said, fine, you just need to lose about 30 pounds. And so I said, so how do I do that? He says, I'm thinking of writing a book on how to lose weight. It's just going to have two sentences in it. Eat less and exercise more. Yeah, that's about it. So I tried it. I tried exercising more. I got on my bicycle and I was riding for miles on this path near my house. And I was walking and I was doing calisthenics, Jack LaLanne, all that stuff. <laughs> And you know what I discovered? 
exercise makes me really hungry. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I constantly, you know, struggle with health and fitness and weight and, and all these things. And a lot of Americans do. You know, if you watch television, it's either a really fattening food commercial or it's a weight loss program. You know, it just seems like we live our life in this whole area. And uh, exercise machines are big sellers, especially at yard sales. And it's noticeable <laughs> what good condition those machines are often in at the yard sale, you know. And uh, we're jogging, we're walking, we're biking, uh, gym memberships, spas, aerobics. It's amazing how hard uh, we flabby Americans work on this uh, losing weight and muscles and fitness and all that kind of stuff. And uh, the Greek and Roman world were that way too. Uh, they were very much into physical fitness and exercise and dietary issues. It's interesting that the Apostle John, in expressing his prayers for the believers of his day, prayed that they, were, they would be as healthy in other areas of their life as they are in their spiritual life. Is that a prayer you'd like somebody to pray for you? Would you like to be as physically healthy as you are spiritually healthy? How healthy are you spiritually? Do you have a plan? Do you have a spiritual health plan? What kind of exercises would one do to increase our physical, or rather our spiritual strength? and to face the trials of difficulties in our lives. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul says to young Timothy in verse 6, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you'll be a good minister or servant of Jesus Christ. And it's interesting that in this text, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy that it is the area of diet and exercise that we must work physically and spiritually. I believe that there is a correlation between physical health and fitness and spiritual health and fitness. That spiritual health and fitness is not some mysterious thing that happens to some people and not to others and just kind of falls out of the sky. But the fact is that there are things that we can do every day to maintain our spiritual fitness. And so he says, bodily exercise, yeah, it's of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things. So I hope you have a physical exercise program, and I hope that you care about what you eat and don't eat. But we're in church, so let's talk about spiritual diet. The first thing he says in verse 6 is, Nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. The Bible tells us that this word 
is our food. The Bible speaks of the fact that there is both milk and meat of the word. What is the milk of the word? Well, milk, milk is food that somebody else has already eaten and processed. Amen? That's what milk is. So if you are a person who always gets your biblical input from others who have studied the Bible, whether on the radio or in books or at church or whatever, then you may have been a Christian a long time, but you are still a baby Christian because you're on milk and not solid food. Okay? What is solid food? Solid food is when you can go directly to the Bible and read it and study it and meditate upon it and God will speak to you from the Bible and he will lead and guide and direct you and you will go out and live in the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll live out this word, which is the script for the Christian life. Nourishing food. What is it? It is the words of faith and good doctrine. There is no way that you can grow as a Christian without dealing with words. A study recently pointed out the fact that not only do most high school graduates never read another book in their life, but that is also true of most college graduates now. They never read another book. Yeah. You say, well, I don't read books. I just watch TV. Okay, well, I just watch videos. Uh, I, I listen and I watch. The only sad thing I have to say to you is that God didn't give us a video. He gave us a book. He gave us words. He revealed himself in words. And as difficult as it may be for you, you're going to have to deal with some words. You're going to have to read the Bible. You're going to have to study the Bible. You're going to have to meditate on the Bible if you're going to have a spiritual fitness program. But hey, how many of you ever got involved in a physical fitness program of any sort? I mean, you went to gym class in elementary school, right? Okay, you did something, okay? And, and so it was hard, wasn't it? It was difficult. And you were doing things that you weren't familiar with. But you learned some skills. And this is going to be important for you. You've got to have the words of faith. Because you cannot navigate this life without faith. You need faith. It's true in riding the Blue Ridge on a motorcycle. The Blue Ridge Parkway has a 45-mile-an-hour speed limit. And it has a lot of windy roads where it's hard to go 45 miles an hour. It's very windy. So you have to learn to corner on a motorcycle. That means you have to learn to counter steer. And you have to learn to uh, really bend that motorcycle down. And you've seen some of those people where their knees and elbows are touching the ground while they go around to turn. There are skills involved in cornering. But one thing I learned early on is one thing you can't do is panic. If you panic, you will hit the brakes. And if you hit the brakes, you will fall down. You will hit something. You will slide. 
No, you have to have confidence in the techniques that you have been taught. And it's amazing how a motorcycle can lean over and make turns at high speed if the rider has confidence in his skills and in the motorcycle and the fact there's not a lot of gravel on the pavement. Things like that. You can't panic. It's the same in the Christian life. If you panic, you will do stupid things. You will not live the Christian life. The Christian life is like walking on water. You've got to do it by faith. You have to keep on trusting God with all your heart. If you lean on your own understanding, you will hit the brakes of doubt and fear, and you will fall. You'll fall into despair. You'll fall into sin. You'll fall into discouragement. No, the Christian life is lived by faith, and it is the words of faith that will enable you to trust God in the difficulties and challenges of your life. It is the words of faith that nourish us. It is good doctrine that nourishes us. What is good doctrine? Good doctrine is when you study the Bible on themes and ideas, and you put together what the entire Bible has to say about a particular subject. Maybe it's the subject of how to be a good husband, how to be a good wife, how to be a good employee, uh, how to face certain trials. And the Bible has information on all of these things and examples, good and bad. And so you study those out, and you have a teaching, you have a doctrine of the Bible, a doctrine of creation, a doctrine of future things, lots of doctrines. And that involves understanding, putting the words of faith together in a comprehensive, systematic way. Doctrine, good doctrine. And so that is the nourishing food without which you cannot Live a Christian life. The Bible tells us, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now you're getting a new pastor next Sunday. I'm so excited for you. I really am. And you know, he's already been moving his library into the pastor's study. It isn't just an office, it's a study because that's what he's supposed to do during the week okay how many of you are cooks you can actually prepare an entire meal that's what i mean by a cook okay and you know how it is on thanksgiving day everybody's watching the games and stuff and and mom's in the kitchen you know and she's preparing all the food and everything and then she finally gets them to all to come which is a real challenge and then she gets them all to sit down and eat and five minutes later most of the damage has been done you know the meal is like pretty well consumed it's amazing how fast people can eat but she's you know she's been shopping planning cooking preparing chopping all that kind of stuff so on sunday morning when a pastor gets up here to preach you know that's not the whole thing that's just putting the meal on the table okay He's got to be back in the study, chopping, you know.
studying. Studying to show himself approved unto God so that he can bring you a meal that will be nourishing and delicious. And you'll walk out and you say, we were fed. We were fed from God's word. So let him study. Don't make him go to every committee meeting. Don't make him be visiting every person all the time. Let him have a family life and let him have a study life. And when he gets into this pulpit, he will feed your soul. Amen? That's what a pastor does. Pastor does. I read something this week that tickled me. It said, pastors are, 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 are not called just to pet the sheep, but to feed the sheep. Okay? I told somebody it's my last Sunday, so I'm going to tell people what I really think. <laughs> and then somebody said, haven't you been telling us what you really think the whole time? I was like, yeah, I do. I love you all. You're all terrific. That's what I really think. Okay. Uh, but don't let him just pet you. Uh, let him feed you. And let him feed you healthy food. It's not going to be dessert all the time, okay? It's going to be... Some things that you may have to chew on. And the Bible speaks of words of faith. The Bible says that the word of God must be mixed with faith in those who hear it. I believe that faith is the digestive process for the word of God. Okay, You don't just eat it and spit it out. you got to let it enter into yourself and to derive from it the uh, nutrients that you need for your life. And that is done as you think about it. Not just while you're listening to it, but you go home and you think about it. And you pray about it. And you go back over the passage again and, and you process it. And you believe it. It is that process of faith. When it is mixed with faith in those who hear it, then it becomes life-giving for our soul. So, are you eating nourishing spiritual food every day? And we in America have opportunities to do this with apps on our phone, with radio programs, with television programs, with books and bookstores and all kinds of stuff. But I'll tell you what, most Christians don't read books. And men especially, I want to talk to you. Most Christian books are purchased and read by women, not men. When I meet a man who works hard and read books, I'm excited. I have some friends like that. Men who work with their hands. I have a friend of mine who's a plasterer, <laughs> but he reads books. And he has a vital life. He receives information through the reading of good books. I hope you're reading good books. You will only be a better person a year from now because of the people you meet and the books that you read. What's the alternative? Junk food. Reject profane and old wives' fables. Hey, is there any way I can preach about that without getting in trouble? What's he talking about? Profane and old Wives' fables. Well, Bible scholars say that these are stories told by uneducated old women to trusting 
children. You know, you can tell children just about anything, you know? You ever try that? You know? And uh, apparently that was what was going on. But not all old women are like that. 1 Timothy 5.10 speaks of godly older women. 1 Timothy 5.10, well reported of for good works. If she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work, then she was to be supported and cared for by the church and devote herself to a ministry of prayers. The word fables is muthos. It's interesting. It speaks of myths. It is the origin of the word uh, myth. And what is it speaking of? It's speaking of made-up stories. And we live in a society of made-up stories. The biggest story that is being taught to young children by older men and women is the myth of evolution. Macroevolution is the big myth being, with our tax money, by the way, uh, supporting the telling of a story that involves the creation of the world without God being involved. What a sad story that is. It is a story in which frogs become princes if you give them enough time. But nobody has ever shown us any frog that became a prince. That is a fairy tale. It is a fable. And Christians do not live on fables. Do not feed on fables. These are eyewitness accounts in the Scriptures of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That is not a myth. It is not a fable. It is a historical fact. It is reality reported by eyewitnesses who saw him alive, saw him die, saw him dead, and then saw him triumphantly alive. Changed their lives forever. It is no myth. It is no fable. So, a growing believer avoids junk food and unedifying discussions and studies. He is careful what his soul eats. Because a soul is a hungry thing. Have you noticed that? A soul is a hungry thing. We call it boredom. You ever been bored? You say, I need a good book. I need a good movie. I need a good show. I need something. And he says, make sure that you are taking time every day to feed your soul on the truth of God from his word. The second area of spiritual fitness is exercise. Yeah, bodily exercise profits a little. The word exercise is gymnasia. From, we get our word gymnasium from this. This was kind of like a military academy where young men were trained in fitness and prepared for war. You say, well, did Jesus exercise? There's an interesting thought. How many of you have ever been to Israel? How did Jesus get from one place to another as recorded in the Bible? Yeah, he didn't take the tour bus that you were on. No, he didn't take that. He didn't take the train. He didn't fly. He walked. And it's amazing when you read 
the geography of the Gospels, and then you read the geography of the book of Acts and look at maps and you see where Paul walked. Now, he did take some ships, but that was not always good either. But uh, they walked. They walked and walked and walked. Now, we today, what do we do? We walk all the way out into the carport and get in our car. And then we get out of the car and we walk you know, into the store, uh, there aren't that much in the way of malls anymore. It's so nice. You can drive right up to the store. You don't even have to walk through the mall anymore. And, you know, and, and we just don't walk. We have to consciously plan and prepare and schedule physical exercise. So we must do with spiritual exercise. What are the spiritual exercises that he tells us will bring much profit, not only in this life, but in the life to come. He mentions three things in this text that will be helpful for you. The first one he mentions is labor. Labor. Verse 10, for the, uh, it is for this that we labor. I remember one time when I was growing up as a pastor's son, I spent a lot of my spare time moving chairs. If you are involved in church ministry, you will know that you need to move chairs a lot. We were always moving chairs. And I remember as a young teenager, it was one more time to move a lot of chairs. And uh, But my friend Johnny, he couldn't help move the chairs because he had to go to the Y to work out. You know. He's saying, it's okay to have your fitness, but why don't you do some good for somebody? And the spiritual exercise of the Christian is to do good works. Amen? Now, we're not saved by good works. We're saved by grace through faith, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. But we were saved unto good works. We were saved for good works. God saved us so that we could do good work by the power of the Holy Spirit and love God and love others and be useful and helpful. And that's what this word means. So get busy serving God. If you've ever been to Israel, you know there's two bodies of water in Israel. One is the Sea of Galilee. It is full of life, full of fish. It has an inlet and an outlet. The other great body of water is the Dead Sea. It has an inlet, but no outlet. Which one is your spiritual life? Many Christians are like the Dead Sea. They learn and they learn and they listen and they learn and they listen and they learn and they listen and they learn. And they take in all kinds of information and it really puffs them up. As knowledge puffs up. And they're very proud of all the information they have. And they use their information to judge other people by. Okay? And they know exactly where everybody else is right and wrong because of their knowledge. And they use their knowledge to puff themselves up and compare themselves with others. That's like being the Dead Sea. But if you are like the Sea of Galilee, yes, you will have the input of God's Word, but you will have the output of Holy Spirit service for others. You will be useful in the lives of others. That's spiritual 
exercise. The second thing he speaks of is to strive. He says we labor and strive. And this has the idea of wrestling, of struggling. In spiritual warfare, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against the devil and demons in the spiritual warfare by saying no to temptation and saying yes to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. We struggle and we win. And then thirdly, we hope. We hope. El Pizza, we hope. We have positive expectation of the future. That is the exercise of the Christian faith. Faith in God's Word will give us hope. A positive expectation of the future. That we believe that the future will be better than the past or the present. Amen? We have a positive view because God is greater than any problem, any challenge we have. So how's your spiritual fitness program? Does it involve good diet and good exercise? Do you have a plan? Do you have a schedule? Do you have a commitment? Do you have accountability? If you are spiritually starved, you need to spend time in God's Word yourself directly every day. If you're spiritually overweight, you need to get started obeying God and serving others, getting that spiritual exercise. But if you say, I have no idea what you're talking about, Pastor. I know about physical exercise, but I don't know what you're talking about, a spiritual life. Then maybe you're not even spiritually alive yet. You need to be born again. You need to be saved. You need to trust in Christ. Let's bow in prayer. Father, you know what each one of us needs today. You know who among us is spiritually starved and needs to start feeding on the Word of God on a daily basis. You know which ones are full of knowledge but are not serving you as they should. Guide them and lead them into paths of service and care for others. And Lord, you know which ones have no spiritual life at all that need to come to you and admit that they're sinners and believe in Christ and be saved. Like that little boy that we heard about today. How we all need to become as little children and trust in you in order to be saved. That you would come into our lives and change us into the people that you want us to be. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. This being Dan's last Sunday preaching here uh, made me think about the scripture. How beautiful the feet that carry the gospel. So Dan, uh, back there, I'm going to tell you something I've never told another man. You got some real beautiful feet. So my my only prayer today is this, uh, folks. Uh, I am just grateful that God sent the right man at the right time. And we're all trusting that the next man will be the right man for the right time.
Amen. Amen. That's it. <laughs> Short and sweet.